Hi, I'm Nicole Ferraro, and this is The Divide, a podcast from Light Reading exploring the ongoing digital divide, why and where it still exists, and what needs to be done to get people everywhere connected to reliable high-speed internet. Today, I'm joined by Anna Reed from Pew Charitable Trust Broadband Research Initiative. As a research officer at Pew, Anna and her team are focused on how states are working to address gaps in broadband access. She joins me today to dive into some of those findings and to discuss what efforts are and are not working when it comes to closing the digital divide. Anna, thank you so much for joining me. It's, it's really a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks so much for the invitation. Absolutely. So I'd love to start off just by talking a little bit about why the digital divide still exists. Um, from your research, what are some of the ongoing impediments confronting rural and urban communities that still lack adequate or affordable access to reliable high-speed internet? The digital divide or the gap between uh, people who have access to broadband um, and devices and those who don't has really been highlighted by the pandemic. You know, the impact it has on the ability to uh, participate in online education, to telework, to access telehealth and other services for from home. And it exists for several reasons. One of the primary reasons is the lack of infrastructure. Uh, and this is, you know, those areas of the country that do not have internet infrastructure that can provide service at broadband speeds. This is primarily a challenge in rural areas. Over 95% or about 95% of Americans have uh, access to the internet broadband speeds and in urban areas, that's uh, over 98% of the population. Uh, but roughly one in five uh, rural Americans uh, do not have access to broadband. That's a lot. <laughs> and then the second component is adoption. You know, people not subscribing to the service uh, where it is available um, our colleagues at the Pew Research Center have done great work on understanding reasons for non-adoption. Um, mm -hmm. And there, there are a couple main ones. You know, there are uh, people who do not uh, see a broadband connection as necessary or relevant to their lives. Uh, you know, this is a, a small and declining component of the population. Mm -hmm. um, but there, there still is that group. Uh, there are people who then see either a smartphone connection or access available outside of their homes as sufficient to, to meeting their connectivity needs. One of the biggest uh, challenges to adoption is the affordability of, of that service, uh, whether that mm -hmm. be kind of the cost quality trade-off, uh, you know, those areas where you may have high cost for slow service or just the inability to, to fit that cost into a household's monthly budget. Mm -hmm. uh, and as we're, uh, you know, looking at um, public policy interventions to address this challenge, it's uh, really important to understand uh, both the access to infrastructure component and the adoption component of the digital divide. Right. So, okay. So when it comes to addressing those things, what do you, what would you say is working, isn't working when it comes to both public and private efforts to uh, intervene and help close the digital divide? And, and why are those things working and not working? In terms of what is working, you know, there are a lot of efforts underway. Um, at Pew, our work has primarily focused on the role of uh, state broadband initiatives in addressing this challenge. Uh, mm -hmm. And there are a number of, of state programs that are really working actively to address 
uh, and close gaps in broadband access. And as we looked across states, you know, we saw a set of, of fairly consistent practices that were making progress in closing those gaps in, in access. So, you know, engaging stakeholders, connecting stakeholders at both state, the state and uh, local level to help facilitate uh, partnerships, to help identify opportunities for projects that will, you know, provide that necessary infrastructure access. Um, you know, states are, are working to address broadband uh, in their state policy to identify barriers, to set up uh, funding mechanisms, to set goals uh, for, you know, achieving more universal access. Uh, they're supporting planning and capacity building activities, uh, which can identify partnerships and prepare communities and providers for state or federal funding support. Mm -hmm. uh, states are directly providing funding to support expanding, uh, expanding access to broadband and, and closing the digital divide. And then they're, you know, evaluating those impacts and, and using that to inform next steps. And this is where we see uh, states beginning to focus more on that uh, broadband adoption component, uh, particularly the affordability mm. challenge. I guess in terms of what's not working, yeah. uh, <laughs> the last year has really highlighted that this is a very pressing uh, challenge and that there's a lot of work that still needs to be done to close the digital divide. So you, you have that sort of time frame of yeah. addressing the challenge. Um, we, at both the state and uh, federal levels, uh, programs and funding support have primarily been focused on the infrastructure component of the challenge. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, and the pandemic, again, has really highlighted the importance of uh, addressing that uh, affordability uh, component as well. And then when you're looking at uh, at programs uh, and the funding support, uh, you know, the coordination between uh, state and, and federal efforts uh, isn't always as uh, effective or efficient as it could be. We're also continuing, uh, you know, to look at broadband as, as the Federal Communications Commission currently defines it, those speeds of 25 megabits per second, 3 megabits uh, download, 3 megabits per second upload. Uh, and as, you know, more of our sort of day-to-day uh, -day activities have moved online over the last year. You know, we're all engaging in Zoom calls all the time. Yeah. We're uh, or all engaging in in web conferencing calls of various yeah. types all the time, and and using more of these intensive applications. Um, you know, we're we're still looking at funding going to support uh, projects that that may not uh, address how household needs are evolving. Got it. Okay. So um, you've been talking a little bit about the state role as well, and you mentioned the relationship with the federal governments and the state. And I wonder if you could just break down how you see the difference in what the federal government role is in closing the digital divide and the state's role, and perhaps even going forward based on what we've learned this past year and even what we've learned over the course of, you know, a decade or so trying to address this problem. Yeah, as I, I noted, uh, Pew's work on, on this issue has really focused on how states are addressing uh, the digital divide. And of course, that does include uh, work with their federal partners, work with uh, federal agencies related to funding. Mm -hmm. And when you're kind of looking at the, the difference between the role that the federal government plays and the role of states, uh, the federal government provides a lot of funding support uh, for broadband. Uh, you know, it has significantly more uh, funding to invest towards uh, solving this challenge. And that funding is, you know, structured in different ways. Grants are available. Loans are available. Funding is also available through a number of different agencies. Um, there's also some support um, for other levels of government, you know, uh, technical assistance type support through some, some of those programs. State governments are 
one level closer to the issue. You know, they are um, directly connected with communities in, in their states that are facing these challenges that are addressing or living with the lack of broadband access. And uh, states, uh, you know, do work to address this as sort of the, the multifaceted challenge it is. You know, they're, again, address it, providing that funding support, providing that planning capacity, building support, looking at how to address this uh, in, in state policy and also really working to actively engage stakeholders at, at both the state level and, and state and local and at a more local level. So mm-hmm. helping, you know, build those uh, connections between uh, communities and providers, for example, to uh, make some of these projects a reality. Got it. Um, is there any state in particular that you think has done a, a good job of this over the last year that other other communities should look to? We focused on uh, examples across nine states, and you know they all have uh, different levels of funding support. The programs uh, have been in existence for existence for different periods of time. States making progress on on this challenge, and uh, just to highlight a couple examples, project in Colorado. So Colorado has the Colorado Broadband Office, and then it has uh, several funding programs through uh, the Department of Regulatory Agencies and the Department of Local Affairs, uh, the first focusing on last mile funding, the the latter focusing on um, middle mile support. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Department of Local Affairs has also funded planning uh, activity in the state's uh, regions over uh, the last um, several years, and uh, this has led to, um, you know, again, both those middle mile projects uh, that are are necessary to make those last mile projects feasible in, in more rural areas, and mm. um, then the Department of, of Regulatory Agencies uh, funds last mile projects. So uh, just an example of what's come out of this in Colorado is uh, Project Thor, which is a project of the Northwest Colorado Council of Governments. It's a a 400-mile Northwest Colorado COG serves as the network owner in collaboration uh, with 14 local governments in the region. Uh, And then the network is operated by a private sector partner. Um, It received funding both from the Department of Local Affairs and then also uses fiber uh, leads from the Colorado Department of Transportation. And this project, you know, came about as a result of um, the planning and capacity building support, as well as the uh, funding support facilitated by uh, that that state broadband program. One other example um, in terms of partnerships that are forming like around adoption, um, Minnesota has had a very active um, broadband program uh, for a number of years now. And uh, in in May, uh, resulting from the pandemic, a public-private partnership to support uh, ensuring that underserved students, underconnected students, have access to both the devices and internet connections they need to participate in online learning. Um, and it's a, a public-private partnership between a number of uh, businesses, foundations, and public sector partners in the state. And they've been making grants to uh, help support these goals. Got it. Okay, great. Um, I think that we can leave it there. Thank you so much, Anna, for taking the time to talk through this all with me. Um, I'm looking forward to reading more of your research this year. Thanks so much for having me.
Thank you so much, Anna Reed, for joining me today. You can find a link to Pew's broadband research down in the show notes. Thank you as well to our producer, Tian Fu, for making this episode. And thank you, of course, for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more episodes of The Divide, as well as other interviews and insights from the team. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.